0: zero hours katherine mather ow zero hours hello
1: and welcome to zero hours podcast with me katherine mather where i speak to comedians and creatives about the best and worst jobs they've done to get by today i'm joined by comedian uh writer podcaster uh maria shahata how are you doing
0: hi good how's it going
1: Good yeah I was gonna try and add something jokey onto the end of that list and then my brain froze and then I I, that's what happened there I'm just talking (laughs) you through my process.
0: I love you had the very comedian instinct of adding something funny at the end of a list and then the very uncomedian instinct of freezing (laughs) just just, I better just stick to the list here. Um, Oh god (laughs) yeah (laughs) where is this going oh fuck forget it. I fucked it so quickly so easily um how how, how's your week been yeah it's been it's been good have I had a busy week I feel like I've had a busy week I feel like I haven't had a um I always think I'm I'm, I have a busy day and then I realize when I tell other people about it I've had an excellent day and like (laughs) like if I complain to my flatmates I'm like oh my god I had a podcast and I had a show today and they're like wow <laughs> look at you <laughs> you know I worked all day um so I mean I've had a good week that's what I'm trying to say
1: good I'm glad to hear it um it's a lot it takes a lot out of you though isn't it just talking I think
0: it does I didn't realize that I'd built up a tolerance for the amount of shows I could do until after lockdown when we started gigging again and then if I had two shows in a night I'm like oh my god I'm exhausted you know uh like prior to the pandemic would have been fine but you just don't realize how much it does take out of you
1: yeah I guess there's a sort of nervous energy even if you're not nervous it's a it is a feel. you still get that feeling don't you like yeah uh in preparation and that takes a lot out of you and then the travel between them and stuff
0: yeah yeah just the uh, and also like the adrenaline and the like like if you're constantly in a fight or flight I was going to try to get scientific feels like the fight or flight situation is really exhausting for people and so it's like yeah I don't know but yeah I'm good
1: good I'm glad to hear it um so I mean we should probably get get down to what the people paid for um (laughs) (laughs) no one's paying anything apart from me um
0: (laughs) what's uh, what's what's your worst job been oh um you know, this question isn't a surprise yet. Somehow I didn't prepare the answer. <laughs> What's my worst job been? I, oh God, I don't know. I I worked in hospitality for 10 years. And so a lot of my jobs just doing, um, I worked at this restaurant in Los Angeles uh, in West Hollywood that was by, by night a comedy club. And so this guy from, his name was Sal. He came from New York and he opened up this restaurant and club it's rare that like the clubs are owned by like the, uh, the clubs are, they also own the restaurant. Usually it's just like some person in the back of a restaurant somewhere, like running a show, mm-hmm. but he owned the restaurant too. And I don't know why, like he didn't run it. Like, anyway, so I asked for a job. because so that'd be great. Like I'll, I'll work at the club, like restaurant during the day and then do sets at night. Um, it was like, hands down the most poorly run place I have ever worked. And on my first day, like I was left on my own. So it was me and like the busser and the cook. And that was it. There's no management. There was nobody telling me what to do. I didn't know how to enter things into a computer. I didn't know anything about the menu. I just got in there. It was my first day. So there was no training. There was no like protocol. There was nothing. I didn't know anything about the place and people are ordering stuff from me and asking me questions. And I'm like, I actually don't know. I don't, I don't know who to, I, I have to ask the busser. Like I can't, I, I and the busser, he didn't know, and like you know, and then like the cook, like the, somebody wanted to complain. I was like, "There's, I get why you want to complain. There's actually nobody to complain to."
1: <laughs> I wish <laughs> there was someone that you could complain to, because then I, I could ask them a I question.
0: Would also, like to complain. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's um, wild. So it was, it was literally just like, "Here's your F and good luck."
0: Yeah, it was the most stressful day of my life. Just I didn't because I didn't know what was going on, and I was fucking up everybody's meal, and. Um, like you would think like, oh, it's a restaurant. Like, you know, just bring some food out. It's like, no, I, if, if, if they ordered a smoothie, I had to make the smoothie, but I didn't know where the blender was or where the, I didn't know anything. It was <laughs> just like, uh, so anyway, I never went back. I was, no. I was, it was what a fucking nightmare. And I was just like, well, here's one of those jobs where you just start crying after. And you're like, why do I have to, why do I have to do this? Like, why? Like, do I even want to be a comedian? Like maybe I should just get a nine to five, <laughs> you know, like just like rethinking your life. Um so that one was bad. Like most restaurant jobs are bad, but like you get through them. Right. I don't know. Did you have you ever worked at a restaurant?
1: Oh my God, have I done my time in hospitality? Um, yeah, it's rough. It's um it's some of the hardest work that I've ever done. Because yeah. you're on your feet, you're tired, there's a lack of respect for people. Um, yeah you're just kind of seen as a a walking table aren't you
0: yeah uh you don't get any respect as a as a server um I've had I mean I worked at a hotel a hotel bar it was like a five-star five diamond hotel and like celebrities and rich people would go it's funny like the richer you get the more of a child you become and you just expect everyone to cater to your needs and you do nothing and which is fine I hope to get that rich one day but like I just didn't, I, as a server, you're just, I worked 10 hours, 12 hours in the sun, often hung over. It was <laughs> I actually couldn't drink when I worked at that job because the days were so brutal that it was just not possible to get through with a hangover. So I actually had to stop drinking, but um, uh, just demanding and just the multitasking and then the, um, the amount of scrutiny you get from the managers, because they're all trying to hit like certain key points and Mm-hmm. You have to make sure you say, like, you have to walk up to the table. You have to address people within a minute. You have to like put a napkin down so your coworkers know you've addressed them. Um, you have to like, if, if they're a particular, like if they've been there before and they're particular, like when I get rich, I'm going to be like, absolutely. Nobody whistles near me for the time that I'm in the restaurant. Right. Cause I have misophonia, <laughs> yeah. which you and I have talked about. Um, that I can't wait to do that. I can't wait to like, they'll have all their little notes because we had notes on people. So it's like, if they were like, don't put any coriander on my food whatsoever, like, I don't even want to see it or I'll burn this place down. Like th- that note is in there. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And so like, you have to just account for everything. If there's an allergy, almost killed somebody once, You know, oh <laughs> but I was so tired. It was so tired. And I didn't know, uh, I forgot. I just forgot they had celiacs. Oh, wow.
1: Um,
0: yeah, but, then you become bartender and that all changes you are you have all the respect in the world everything's on your time you Mm -hmm. get to them when you get to them you know like everybody respects the bartender
1: yeah and did you find uh I don't know if this is the case if it's just over here or if if it's everywhere but it seemed that those jobs were gendered when I was doing it so the servers would be women and the bartenders would be men
0: I feel like it naturally ended up that way. I, I, it, it, you know, it wasn't definitely that way, but yeah, more bartenders were men, um, and the women who were bartenders, it's almost like comedy. It was like they kind of had like mannish qualities because they had to like, they had to fit in. Yeah, you know, or uh, wonder like, yeah, yeah, women were servers. Yeah, and it wasn't, it wasn't like outright that's the way it is, but that was the way it was. Yeah. I don't know why. Well, I mean, I, I, because bartenders are, they've got more power and servers are servers (laughs) when they want to, they just want to keep us down, man. And, uh, uh, but when I started bartending, like I had a hard time because the other bartenders hated me because I didn't have any bartending experience, like rightly. So they -hmm. should have hated me because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't even know how to make a pina colada. Like, They, I studied to be this bartender, like because they were going to promote me to bartender, and I, I, I would study all the drinks. But like when somebody ordered one, I can't just pull that up. Like you have to start making them, Mm -hmm. and that's how you remember. So oftentimes I would be like, "Oh great, yeah, absolutely, coming right up." But then uh, like I would go back to the back, Google how to like what the drink Mm -hmm. is, and then come back and make it. And um, so the other bartenders hated me. I slowed everything down, and and uh, they didn't understand why I was a bartender. And I'll tell you why I was a bartender. (laughs) It's because. I was the only one at this place, not the hotel. It was the, one, the job before that. It was, um, it was called BJ's. It was a corporate, like a chain yeah. restaurant. <laughs> and uh, everyone hated that job because it was in, uh, in LA. Everybody wanted to be something else and everyone hated that job. And I was the only one I decided, I was like, I'm fuck this. I'm going to come in with a good attitude
1: mm-hmm. and I'm
0: going to be a pleasant person to be around. And the managers noticed that and they liked me. So they, they promoted me to bartender. Oh, okay is that easy i think well I, yeah <laughs> that's how it worked for me but i mean i think it's easy to stand out when everyone's complaining all the time and no one likes their job and like morale's down and, like you're just like hey and, like you if you come in with a smile and do your job um yeah but i think that works in any aspect of life i just think if you have a good attitude like you'll go further
1: yeah I think um, if you're the kind of person in comedy that people are willing to give a lift to because you're nice yeah. and karsha, that helps.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People want to be around you. Like, mm. nobody wants to be around like the person that's always down. Um, yeah. So um, you mentioned the misophonia.
1: Um, yeah. And I asked if we could talk about it. Fuck uh, it, we'll bring it up quite early on. Um, what yeah I I guess so I was wondering if how that has sort of affected um or or if it has affected uh your well I guess life but like particularly working life
0: I I guess I never didn't do a, a line of work because of misophonia but I had a hard time in jobs because of it like Working at restaurants, people always whistle in the kitchen. There's always a whistler. <laughs> Do people know what misophonia is? Like, I don't know if we need to define it or... As I um... asked you the question, I was like, I should probably... <laughs> we should probably say what it is. Um, so it's, it's
1: like the um, uh, neurological problem. So it, it sort of sets up your fight or flight response um, whenever you hear certain sounds like whistling or chewing or tapping and then there's also the, the sort of physical one called miso Kinesia as well, which is- when Yes, I have that one too. Me too. Uh, so people playing with their hair or tapping their foot or swinging their foot or things like that.
0: I, I, uh, it's a really hard thing to describe to people or get people to understand. And as soon as you say like, uh, you know, I have a hard time with certain noises, you can't say it sends you into a rage, but it does. It either makes me mm-hmm. want to vomit or it sends me into a rage yeah. and people want to test that. They always mm-hmm. want to be like, oh, really? So does this annoy you? And then they'll just do some sort of noise and uh, people can be really obnoxious about it. So I, I, I want to talk about it more and more because I just, I just want people to understand without, I want to just be able to say I have misophonia without any of the explanation because it's, not only is it like hard to explain, it doesn't sound like anything. It sounds like I'm just being particular or mm-hmm. irritable but
1: yeah yeah you, you can see in people's eyes when you say it they're like don't think it's a thing or it's like um oh you know you snowflakes you've got to sort of attach and then to every like oh you just get a bit annoyed by somebody chewing gum and it's like honestly I would throw myself in front of a train to get away from that sound yeah you know it's yes. like so irrational it's like I what I want to do is like kill that person or myself.
0: Yeah, but and all then it's day, so, every day, it's it's like you turn. I know you turn into a monster, mm. and then the noise stops, and then you're just normal again, like immediately. <laughs> but yeah. like, you're like you have no clue, no clue how close to death you were and um, and it it isn't. oh God, it's it's so like I I walk onto the tube and scan the tube for anyone who could be chewing gum so that I don't sit near them. And I had an ex say. Like, it feels like you're looking for it to be annoyed about it. I'm like, no, I'm looking for it to avoid it. Like, I'm not trying to get upset about these noises. It's so, it's just it's just so, it makes me so unhappy, (laughs) Uh, you know? And I have people I love, like, you know, I've had like best friends who twirl their hair while we're watching a movie. I know I I end up playing with my hair a lot of nerves. So it's like, I'm also a a hypocrite, but I'll have to like put a pillow up to my face to block them out. Yeah. Or I'll kill them. <laughs> and I love them. <laughs> I don't want to kill them. <laughs> you yeah. Know, I don't
1: know. And I feel like it closes off a lot. Like I don't go to the cinema that often because I can't stand people or I, I don't. I, I love watching comedy, but I went to watch a comedy show at a big, you know, I paid and bought a ticket and went and sat down amongst people and I couldn't. I was just, I, I couldn't. I had my earplugs in. I, I couldn't do it and it's just it prohibits you from so many spaces I think
0: I went to support a friend who had some industry in for a show and um I usually make it a point to sit on the side uh, just so I can get up and leave if I have to Mm uh I couldn't I didn't get like I was it was just a packed show and I couldn't be like excuse me I I need to sit at the end you just kind of like fell into wherever you landed I don't go to see people's shows and I feel bad, but I, because if I can't just stand outside or at the door or somewhere where I can get away, I'm in pure hell. And the person behind me was chewing gum and I I had to force a face because I wasn't listening. Like my whole, everything was consumed by the gum chewing happening behind me. So when people laughed, I was laughing, but I wasn't there. And I was just like, I was trying to like force back tears. Like it's, it's so fucked up. Like, um, I, and I, I, I put my finger on my ear, like just to get, just at least to have the ear closest to that person closed off. And so I'm just yeah. sitting there with one finger in my ear. Like, I just, there's nothing I could have done about it. And I just, um, I was just in hell, you know? And like, mm. why? <laughs> Cause someone was chewing gum. It's just like, it's just the worst hour ever not the comedy the comedy was actually really funny yeah <laughs> it's the worst hour for me ever
1: yeah that's it it's difficult isn't it it's um because yeah everywhere you are and people um you know like you were saying about scanning tube, carriages. Uh, characters it's, it's like every every new environment that you go into you look for it in order to mm-hmm. avoid it don't you and um you know and then you know you're in a restaurant and you choose the table so you're looking at a wall so that you're not near people and then something happens and it's and it's just a constant state of anxiety and then um, you know I have a list of places that I can't go for coffee around where I live because somebody is one a person who works their whistles um, yeah and I don't I have I, that
0: too like there's a place I would love to like work on because the atmosphere is great but the, the somebody there whistles and I, I can't just, I can't come
1: <laughs> yeah and I just I wonder if these people know that they're doing themselves out of business <laughs> like
0: I don't think so I don't mm. think anybody I don't think anybody gets it or would ever understand that that's um infuriating for some people uh, I have a list I'm starting of um, movies I can't watch because somebody's yeah. chewing gum oh in too God. many scenes
1: baby driver there's a yeah. scene where they just go and steal the chewing gum and then start eating it. Why? Why? It brings nothing to the film. <laughs> I like life on Mars and ashes to ashes. He's just chewing gum the
0: whole way through. It's, okay. Oh, we should combine lists. Yeah. yeah. I think um, Midnight Cowboy, <laughs> I think, is it uh, like the, the whole time? um, in the first few episodes of, uh, Boardwalk Empire, somebody's mm-hmm. chewing gum. I actually Googled whether or not that character would be there the whole time chewing gum. And somebody else had a similar question to me and they were like, they're just chewing like a fucking cow. And like, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I couldn't get through Boardwalk Empire because of, it wasn't good, but like, <laughs> I also found the gum chewing really, really hard to deal with. Um, yeah, it's just, if it's just one scene, I can just like avert my eyes or whatever, but um, if it's just a character trait, someone chose, like, I can't do it.
1: No. So at what point so did you, were you conscious that you, you had it, that it was a, a
0: thing? When I was a kid, well, I didn't know, cause I didn't know it was called anything. I just thought it was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember when I was a kid, like driving back from an amusement park. So it was my friend's dad was driving and I was in the front center and then, you know, the car was full. And he, um, if he had dry mouth, mm-hmm. I don't know what it was, but he kept like like closing his lips or like licking his lips or there was something like, but like because of dry mouth and it was disgusting to me. And I just was like, uh, I remember just how like, I, I I was trying to like cover my ears or get away from it. I was sitting right next to him. And I didn't know what it was, I didn't know what was wrong with me, but I'd always complain. My dad uh, quit smoking and he started chewing gum. And I was like nine and I would complain about him chewing gum. And he was like, would you rather me smoke? And I was like, yes, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, oh, uh, my dad chewing gum is a huge trigger. It's just, it's just chewing. But yeah. I am lucky that I don't think, like usually if people are eating food, I'm okay. It's mostly gum. I know a lot of people have a food trigger, but mm-hmm. if I found out someone's eating, like if I see someone's mouth moving, I'm just like, ugh! and then if I find out it's food, I'm okay
1: same and I think really it's because it's uh chewing gum is unnecessary eating is necessary. yeah yeah it's unnecessary noise and fidgeting and you know you don't need to chew gum it's gross have a mint
0: yeah yeah oh. why are you doing it but the, it, I tried to p- kind of pin that down I was like why do idle things or things that like you don't like whistling is unnecessary you're mm-hmm. um but if someone has a nose whistle that bothers me equally, but they have to breathe. But I think yeah. it's like, clear your nose. I yes. don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um,
1: yeah. So but, then oh, yeah, no. the, the next question, I guess, was going to be at what point did you find out that it was a thing?
0: My friend Liz, who I have a podcast with, uh, we've been friends forever. About like 10 years ago, she found a. I think it was a New York Times article about it. And she was like, don't get mad at me, but I think this is you. (laughs) And I read it and I was like, oh my God, it was such a relief to realize it had a name. And it really hasn't gotten all that like much traction in 10 years. Cause I still talk about it on stage and people will still go, oh, my friend has that, or oh, I have that, you know, and like, don't know what it's called. And like, I'm such a great moment for me. Cause I'm like, Oh, I've done something good. You know, it just, it, it, it makes me feel better to know it's a thing. Other people have it. I'm not just a freak or at least yeah. I'm not the only freak, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Um, so, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that was a similar, it was a newspaper article that like a, an ex-boyfriend was like, this is it and it's nice to know even though there's nothing that you can do about it especially it is nice to know that you're not just fucking mad because everybody has been telling you that you're
0: mad for your
1: entire life
0: yeah and you yeah you feel mad because you're like Mm. why do I care so much about gum chewing if everyone if it annoys everyone like but like but I'm like it doesn't just annoy me like it's like I'm gonna vomit and I'm Mm. going to kill you so I don't (laughs) know i don't know i mean obviously i i say that jokingly i I wouldn't kill anyone probably kill myself first you know what i mean yeah (laughs) i I agree (laughs) i'm that kind of person (laughs) i just don't consider (laughs) it i I turn it on me first guys don't worry Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) um and then so you you've been talking about it on stage is it a thing um that you has that helped or does it feel vulnerable
0: um no it's helped I, I do like talking to people and finding out like other people have it um I just released an album and at that show somebody had it and uh um she, yeah she was like no I have to leave the room when other people are eating and mm-hmm. you know some people have to like listen to music or have background noise while other people are eating and uh I like to, I like to, I mean, for two reasons, it makes me feel better. It's like, oh, like, you, you know, understand what I'm going through and they get to, they go, oh, if they are learning for the first time, it's a thing. That's great. And then the rest of the audience, if I talk about misophonia and no one has it, that's, that's really hard. Cause like, there's no backup. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, you, you gotta just take my word for it. It's really just the worst thing on earth. Um, and I, but I feel like when I have backup, I'm like, They understand what I'm going through. I don't know how to explain it. Like, it just feels like they get how extreme I'm saying this. They get that that's real. Mm -hmm. And now you all should understand that this is something that's common. It's more common than everybody realizes.
1: Yeah, I think to varying degrees, a lot of people have it.
0: I think so. I, I mean, yeah, I, mean, like, I think a lot of people, if they don't have it, like they know someone who has it or have been affected by it, <laughs> you know, because they're like, oh, I've had a partner who wouldn't let me breathe. <laughs> and you're like, oh, they had misophonia. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, they weren't being unreasonable, but they also kind of were. <laughs> and I think it's one of the things that I've struggled with is finding the line between what is my problem and what is somebody else's problem if you see yeah
0: yeah um where and like what did you find is the answer did you not
1: I still don't think I have it yet but so I've worked in two jobs where there has been a man and it is always a man whistling all (laughs) day all day every day and I couldn't get away from it to a point that I was like I would just go and cry in the toilet often because yeah. I couldn't get away from it and I would I then I would ask them to stop whistling and I would explain it why here's why I you to stop doing that uh because I you know you're going to make me lose my job I, I will leave this job. I left both jobs because of them directly oh, because wow. of those people um and they would continue doing it but I, I either you know I think that's a you problem that you know you you need to stop doing that all day every day. Um yeah, but I don't it's difficult, isn't it? Because they're just it's just a joyous sound coming out of their mouth. What's your problem?
0: Right. I I do struggle with this too. And like like Liz, like you have some friends who are accommodating. So like Liz is like we talked about it, and like some on one hand, I think, okay it's not as much skin off your back to stop the noise than it is off mine to deal with the noise. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I have friends who are like willing to accommodate, like, okay, I won't chew gum around you. Like I've asked Liz to not drink water on the podcast because I also edit the podcast and I don't want to have to hear her swallowing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm drinking water. Like, <laughs> <just> like <laughs> um, but, uh, at the same time, it's, it, I can't control like everyone's behavior and I do have to figure out how to cope with it. But like, there really hasn't been any, any tools for that other than people like recommend CBD therapy. Like, I don't know anyone who like has gotten over their misophonia. Um, no. so like, w- like, how do I, how do I deal with that? Like if there were tools and I just wasn't doing it. Okay. Yeah. I can get how it's just like, this is your problem, <laughs> but like, I have no escape. Like you're, okay, for for me to escape this, you can either go out that door, which is really easy for you, or I can find some hidden key somewhere in this room that may or may not be there to unlock some hidden door. Like just go out the door. (laughs) Do you know what I mean?
1: just fuck off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just fuck off. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I guess that's another question that I was gonna ask you, is it, do you think it's a thing that could ever be uh sort of quote unquote cured or do you think it's too ingrained a character trait
0: i don't know i don't know what it is i don't know because it's they always say it's a neurological disorder Mm -hmm. does that does that mean it can be cured or it can't be cured or is that like is it cbd is it therapy or is it just like physically there's something wrong with you and we'd have to go in and perform brain surgery to correct it like mm. what is it so i think the fact the fact that i don't really know what it is like i i wouldn't know how to answer that and i don't i don't see how therapy could work like i don't see how like my my flatmate's slamming the door constantly right now and it's just yeah. it's like i get that that's irritating and most people just be like a little bit annoyed but i'm just like it shakes me in my core um yeah, same. <laughs> So yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to. I don't know how to fix it. I would love to fix it. I would love to. I would love to just like remove. Just if, like, what if what if they were like, we can remove the misophonia, but it also removes the humor. I guess I wouldn't do that, but it also removes, like your ability to do math. Uh, no, I would do that. Like, oh, I don't yeah, care I can't yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. hmm. I think well, a coping mechanism I have found is if you remove the. Try and remove other stress factors from your life. So, for example, instead of doing zero-hour contract jobs uh, and not knowing how much you're going to get paid at the end of the month, doing a full-time job sort of removed some stress, but then has added other levels of stress. I um, find
0: that if I'm tired, I it's worse for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like if I'm traveling back from a comedy show. And I'm on a train that's so funny because I was traveling back from Reading and really obnoxious train. And then I read your tweet that same night. I think you must have been on like an hour later than mine. Yeah. And having a really obnoxious experience on the train. <laughs> it was like, yes. Just had that ride. I just had the same thing.
1: Yeah, I got on the train and it was literally like just about to go. So, you know, like throw yourself onto it. And then I walked through this <laughs> carriage full of like young, pissed up men in suits. It had a race day vibe to it. And I was like, okay, I'll just go in the next carriage, which was even more full of yeah. the same people. And then it was just like, and now I'm at the other end of the train. <laughs> oh yeah. And one yeah. of them kept trying to put a bottle of WKD on my head. Um, what? Yeah, you know, the the blue drink. Oh, I whilst-
0: know. Oh. Oh, I was thinking of something totally different. It's a blue drink. Why were they trying to put it on your, like pour it on your head or like try to oh, balance no, just, it on your head? Just
1: balance it on my head whilst everyone shouted. They've got WKD on their head, but they're like chanting it. So I tried to get it off him so that I could throw it at him. Uh, and then he he wouldn't let go of it. And then everyone started booing me. And I'm like, of all the points in this day, I've just come back from a gig. I didn't think being on a train is where I'd have 30 people booing me.
0: That's so funny. What the fuck? This is hilarious um do you try to I try to like ride in the um quiet carriage if I can but that but then I find I end up getting even more angry because if somebody's on there being loud yeah like there was this guy what was I coming back from um I was so fucking disgusted with this guy like I was sitting there and he he comes in just like just fucking relaxes right away. He's like all lounging. He's got, he put his coat behind my head. So that's bothering me. Cause I just feel like I have this thing hanging over me. Cause I was in the very back part of this quiet carriage, mm-hmm. takes off his shoes and socks. He's like rubbing his feet together. And I was just like, uh. And then like, he's on his phone. He's leaving voice messages. He's listening to them, but not on headphones or up to his ear, but just like for everyone to hear. Yeah. And I'm like looking around like, is there anybody else angry about this? Does anyone care? Nobody. Like Britain is so you're so good at just like, I'm just just me. And then no, nah, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever's happening around me is none of my business. Yeah. Um, and so I told him to shut the fuck up in so many words. And uh, because I was like, <laughs> we're on the quiet carriage, so if you can just shut the fuck up. And <laughs> he's like, Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Uh but I th- I find it I like I'm I get I get it's I'm just much angrier if uh if, if they're supposed to be quiet and you're not obeying the rules yeah <laughs> it's like I've come here for a reason so
1: yeah it's a moment of, of of solace isn't it it's like this is where I should be safe
0: and I'm not yeah 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 especially with this disgusting feet running. um <laughs> mm-hmm. but the movie thing and I've been made fun of for this but you can ask for um like uh hearing impaired or close ca- like hearing impaired headphones yeah do you do you ever do that you watch a movie with headphones on
1: no I didn't realize that was a thing
0: I've, I've done it once and it is kind of weird but because I, I do go to the movies but I don't I only go when it's like in the afternoon or when it's not going to be very busy like I could never go on a weekend night yeah. um and I asked for the headphones once and it, it was kind of nice but like it also it, it steals something away from the whole experience it just feels a bit it's just a little off but um and if you're if you're at the movie with somebody you can't do it you'd have to go on your own and do it yeah um and but also, that is an option.
1: Yeah, I think it's also people moving that's a problem for me. So like the last time I went, there was a woman slowly eating popcorn over the course of two hours. And I was like, I am going to kill myself. <laughs> I yeah. can't watch you do that,
0: please. Um, it is because it's like, yeah, you're eating popcorn in a movie, but like, why are you eating it so... Like I'm, I can imagine the scenario that you mean, like, yeah. uh, I just, yeah. I think there was a guy next to me, just the light bothers anyone, but just looking at his phone the whole time or, um, anything any movement any food any noise any whispering i can't feel i cannot deal with it so Mm -hmm. i have to go and it's like there's no one's gonna be there um yeah sorry i'm gonna fuck with my hair just because i'm
1: no no it's fine i've been drinking water this whole time we're we're all monsters here (laughs) but um yeah I, I appreciate that this was meant to be about bad jobs and I have fully sidetracked it to misophonia. sorry no no yeah, I like I love talking it's...
0: about misophonia well
1: yeah me too because I think for a really long time I was just a weirdo and then me I think so I think the first time I, I ever met slash saw you was at Jester Jester's and you were talking about misophonia and I think it's like oh god I have that too and I think we had a bit of back and forth uh I, I was watching because I've been on earlier on in the in the sort of open Mikey bit of it um, yeah but I ju- yeah I just like talking to people about it because I think it's really important that people know about it and I think that um so, so there was I feel like there was a whole section of the job market that was uh closed off to me you know like working in an office where the money is like it's office jobs pay better typically than a waitressing job for example yeah but I feel like I always felt like I couldn't work in one of them because there will be people there and I I didn't think I'd be able to escape from it Uh, and I I work in an office now and it's fine because I can move around and I you know I put my headphones and and stuff but I guess I was just wondering if there was uh anything sort of consciously or subconsciously if that that sort of fed into you know the way you were doing things
0: um like with jobs Mm -hmm. oh Um, anything really uh hmm. i have i mean like hmm. okay i don't know why it's so hard for me to answer i just don't think i was ever qualified for anything anyway i had one office job once uh but i was i was uh i keep wanting to say secretary it feels so 1960s receptionist (laughs) yeah uh, and so I was kind of like in the front where everyone else is in the back, which was perfect for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, if yeah, and if people walked by, I would be annoyed. I'm like, can you just, can you get away from me, please? I get very like in my own thoughts. And if they get interrupted, I'm just like, oh, I will kill you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think honestly, like school and classes and taking, taking classes, I've avoided. I've started taking classes again. I took an acting class. Um, and then I, I said the misophony thing, which is so dumb because like, you, you know, they were like, go around the room and say something. Most people don't know about you. And I didn't want to say comedian. So in an effort to avoid comedian, I said, I had misophonia. And like, now this is the thing that everyone knows about me and having knowing nothing else about me. And there was one person in class who was like, does this bother you? Like, you know, and it just, uh, infuriated me, but like just sitting in a class, sitting in a lecture, sitting somewhere, like comedy shows and classes sitting um, among many, many people, um, and not being able to get away is terrifying. I took a writing Mm -hmm. class and I was so scared somebody there was going to chew gum. One day, one person came in chewing gum and I was like, I guess I have to drop this class Mm because I can't do it. And I don't want to tell people, that's the thing. I don't want to tell people, uh, that's probably why. Okay. Sorry. So many thoughts. That's probably why I said that in the acting. Cause I, so I don't have to later tell people not to chew gum, mm-hmm. which was a, a own mistake, but the, I don't want to have to like, say like, I have this thing. I don't want to stick out at all. I want to just like be a thing. No one looks at or sees. I just want to learn <laughs> and mm-hmm. not make any kind of commotion or noise. Um, and, uh, that like, luckily that, that gum thing, the, the one time they came in chewing gum didn't stick and they just never, chewed coming up maybe like my dirty look maybe they picked up on it <laughs> do you ever give like the dirtiest looks and you're oh like you God. have to get that face off your face or you are gonna get <laughs> your ass kicked
1: it's uh yeah it's I do it often and <laughs>
0: uh, it,
1: it will get me deep up at some point I think. yeah
0: hundred oh, percent like I'm just I'm the queen of dirty looks and, and I'm just like you can't do that you can't just give people dirty looks like they don't know what they've done <laughs> like, <No. you> can't. <laughs> um, and
1: uh yeah do you think that um how do you think that it sort of influenced comedy I feel like doing I feel like having had it and feeling like an outsider I gravitated towards comedy would you say that's a similar experience?
0: Yeah, I sometimes I think, you know, like I just chose to be a comedian to to be in front of the crowds, to be in control of the crowds rather than being in it and out of control. So maybe the misophonia had a lot to do with that. Like I'm so miserable in a crowd, but I can control everything being in front of it. So if, if that means embarrassing myself, like by bombing, so be it. <laughs> At least I don't have to. I'm I don't know. Um, yeah, the outsider thing, like just I've always felt like an outsider for like many reasons. Misophonia was just one of them. Um, but I yeah, I mean, I think you I mean it sort of like causes you to be antisocial. Um mm-hmm. and you think you hate people maybe, but you don't I like I don't hate people. I just don't want to engage or interact with them for yeah. fear that like I'll get triggered. Um I <laughs> I uh well, last time I was home, my brother put his hand on the back of the seat in the car, and then he went, oh. <laughs> and I was like, "Why?" he's like i hate the way that feels like but like i, I he didn't say it like that. I don't know how he said it, but um i I feel like there's a a touch version of misophonia out there,
1: yeah um I don't know I, what it's called it's like a or something like that and you're like Ugh. <laughs> yeah. uh
0: I touch everything I love I love the way things feel so I yeah. wonder I wonder like what it is about our family why are we weird um <laughs> I just I, I don't know I, I forgot what the question was I'm sorry I'm just babbling about <laughs> misophonia now
1: no no I, um yeah so the comedy then what was your what was your route into
0: comedy I worked at a comedy club. Um, i I liked comedy. I loved like I, like I loved stand up. I discovered it kind of late in life. Like in my like when I was 17, 18, I saw it on Comedy Central, and I was like, "What is this? It's so funny!" And then I realized there was a comedy club in town. And so after I graduated, I got a job at the comedy club, and I just kind of surrounded myself with it. I would talk to comedians, and I would go to shows, and I watched it live. I watched it on TV. I went to open mics, and then. I did that for like a year and a half and I, before like somebody, my friend Jason signed me up against my will <laughs> and then I went up and then, I mean, I'm glad he did. Cause I was, I was going to go to open mics forever and not get on, on my own. And uh, yeah, then I just, I went up and then like, I just went for it after that. I, yeah, I moved to New York and then um, got up as much as I could.
1: So is it a thing that you were like, I want to do this as my job from the first time you did it? Or did it was that a more gradual process?
0: Yeah, I think all I ever wanted to do at the time there was a show called Premium Blend on Comedy Central, and it was just seven minute sets, and that's all I ever. That was my biggest goal for comedy was just do a seven minute set on Premium Blend. Yeah, I didn't really have any other aspirations beyond that. When I just released my album, like my friend Liz was talking to me, she's like, "Why don't you release an album?" And I was like, "I don't want to release an album." She's like, "Why?" And I was like, "I don't know. I never thought about it." And she was like, like she couldn't understand. It. I mean, that's just kind of a natural goal of comedians, at least in the U.S. I don't think you don't do the albums thing here in the UK as much.
1: No, not really. I that, I noticed that that was a a thing that seems yeah. a bit more American than UK. Yeah, I
0: guess it would be your
1: so, like a next up
0: special or something. You would film it here, right? Um, but before you had next up, it's it's you guys just you wait till you get on tv I guess
1: yeah I think it's really sad that that people will just spend years writing a show perform it at Edinburgh tour it and then it just dies and there's no Sorry, record that, that, of it
0: that blew my mind when I learned that here it's mm. just you just you're coming up with these shows every year and just throwing them away like or you might tour them for a bit after and then you just move on like what <laughs> like you know yeah. it's so different as an American you you you, you spend years coming up with your hour you do your hour and then you record it so you have it it's there and then you move on and yeah. uh and here you're just you're just tossing away material it's crazy to me that's crazy until what like what's the goal for you guys like I don't understand that like where are you what's you get on panel shows but that's not your stand up so it's like where like at what point do you do you ever like? I mean, I guess Stuart Lee and Dylan Moran are like the only people I can think of who. <laughs> that's probably wrong. I'm sure there's more, <laughs> but where do you put your stand-up, Catherine? Where do you where are you gonna put it? I don't know. Like I think as
1: well, just from a um, because uh, I mean, I I've never got on the old the old Edinburgh train, choo choo. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> be involved in any of that. I I hate it. Um, so it never sort of had the same appeal. To, to me as I know that it has other people I always just thought I'll work on a show record it tour it and then like surely just from a financial perspective you'd want to have it so you could sell it to somebody for yeah some money you know and have a, a record of it um yeah and I think more people are doing that now because there are things like next up where you can put it or you know youtube if nothing else <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess uh, people are putting it on YouTube, and, uh, and and quite frankly, that's where Americans are putting it too. It's like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Liz put her specials up on YouTube, and it's done really well for her. You know, like you're just waiting for a Netflix or or HBO or somebody to to give you a special isn't the way anymore. You can just do it yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what would you say the biggest differences are between performing? to uh, audiences in the us and and over here like when you moved was there a big shift in what you had to do
0: to change so you or? know what? i was just listening because i'm looking for like stand-up clips to post onto instagram and uh i was just watching my this clip from, i think it was like 2014 2015 and i'm performing at universal barn grill in, in uh i think it's in north hollywood in in los angeles is just the most abysmal set And I did great. That was the thing is like, I wasn't not funny. I was watching myself and I'm, I'm a huge critic of myself. Like, I was just like, uh, I will zone in on literally everything. And I'll be like, you were bad at the joke is stupid. And I hate the way you performed it. And you look fat and like, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I was like, you're good. And you're getting nothing, nothing, not a fucking laugh, not a single, maybe one hook from the back. Like, just that's it. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I did that for seven, fucking years. And I don't know how I survived stand-up. I don't know. Like, cause, cause in LA it sucks. And like, you're performing for other comedians and it's just like, you're doing it just to get the words out, just to get used to saying it. And it wasn't like, I didn't even know I was funny until I'd leave LA and go anywhere else and perform. And I'd be like, Oh, these do work. Oh, I am funny. I had no idea. So the biggest difference is laughs. <laughs> right.
1: So, um, um- performance because I like one thing I noticed is that I have noticed watching um comedians that have come from the U.S. is the lack of crowd work that's not a a thing is it quite the same way
0: um I mean they do crowd work in the U.S. it's just if you don't do it no one notices because it's like even the hosts will get up and just do their set and introduce the comics like the whole idea that the host is, uh, it's their night and they're presenting their friends and they're getting to know the crowd and bringing everyone in. And like, I mean, we like you, it does happen in the US. It just doesn't matter if you, don't, if you don't bring them in and like talk to them and get to know them. It's like whatever. You can just do your set. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, there's no ceremony. It's like, a, like, you see these New York comedians, because oftentimes um, in New York, especially you have maybe like when you're starting out, maybe you have three minutes Mm -hmm. or five minutes. And these clubs, when I was starting out, like comic strip and stuff would tell you, like, you need to laugh within 15 seconds, within 30 seconds. So you don't have time. You don't have time to fuck around and be like, how are you doing? Plus there's 30 comedians on the show. So 30 comedians talking to the crowd means that same joke. Cause no one's watching. The other comedians are not watching the comics on stage. So by the time like you're comedian number 29 you're like yeah you got a polka dot shirt on you what a dick and they're like yeah i've heard it from 17 other people like so you just don't bother <laughs> yeah that's so you fair. just get on and you just say your jokes you get in there right away you get your laughs and you go um and i think it's just born of that i think it's just born of showcase shows where there's so many comedians on that like and you're not watching each other that you just don't know what's been said so it doesn't matter yeah um,
1: that's fair um so i think um it uh, we've we've coming up to time but i want to end on a, a sort of positive uh not not that none of this has been positive but I I like, oh god like- how negative <laughs> <being>. <laughs> yeah, oh my god <laughs> like lecture
0: at the beginning of like just come in with a good attitude and you'll go far <laughs> yeah but also get away
1: from me <laughs>
0: yeah
1: uh, i realise that the premise of this show bad jobs is quite a negative one um so what what's your best job been and I think I know the answer
0: do you but, am I gonna say comedy yeah no <laughs> fair enough um, I was uh I was um a personal uh a private detective
1: oh my god that's so exciting <laughs> yeah. did you have a newspaper with two eye holes cut into it
0: <laughs> I did I was just in my little corolla like just looking <laughs> around with a, had a hat on I actually look more conspicuous looking inconspicuous um <laughs> Uh my friend, her dad was a policeman in the New York in New York. And like I worked with her at the hotel bar Mm -hmm. and he did private detecting in New York, but he wanted to do uh he wanted to start his LA business. Right. Um so every once in a while he wouldn't be in LA, but he would get jobs. So he would pass them on to us. And so then we would go. It was often women trying to figure out if their men were cheating on them. And so we would go and like I, I like I would have to like knock on a guy's door and, and ask for just somebody you know and they'd be like oh you have the wrong house but I would go to see if some some woman answered the door or just kind of like look behind you quickly to see if I could see anybody I don't know it was just so dumb but it was so much fun and it was so much money' <laughs> like, wow. that um, sounds so
1: exciting so how would you yeah. get what's the would it be a report or pictures that you would like, what would the proof be that like, yeah, this guy's a cheater. On no, he isn't.
0: Um, I not did, we didn't get pictures when we knocked on doors. Like I got pictures. I mean, a lot of times actually I would be, end up sitting in my car for hours, um, just like waiting for someone to leave. So it wasn't all, always exciting, but, um, but yeah, I mean, she, my, like my friend was the one in contact with her dad. So like if there were reports, she did it, <laughs> but I was the cool sidekick. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I didn't do that very often it was I, I think I think like three times but it's cool to be like I was a private detective yeah, Thankfully, it was so yeah that sounds amazing
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh wow that's great so I think yeah I think we are coming up to the end where can people find you have you got anything to plug what's going on uh, in Maria town
0: um live wise I don't know uh not really but um I have some shows around london but if you could buy my album uh <laughs> the best way to support me because I do have an album out it's called live at the bill murray uh one of my favorite clubs in the world and um uh, the best way to support me is it's on Bandcamp, which uh there are links on my twitter and instagram it's at maria shahada um or you can find me on uh apple music amazon music Deezer. i'm not on spotify because they were being they're pretty shitty towards comedians recently but uh otherwise, yeah, just listen to it, share it, review me.
1: Ooh, and you have a podcast too.
0: Oh my God. Yeah, I have a podcast. It's called Tune On Doctors. Uh, me and Liz Mealy, she's a comedian out of New York. Uh, we've been best friends for like 15 years. Uh, we just talk about our health issues and try to help each other with it. We, have, we know nothing about health. Neither, neither of us are doctors. We have no reason to do that. Um, and uh, But yeah, we just kind of bullshit our way through some, just our medical issues. So. <laughs> that sounds great. Um,
1: Well, thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you for having me.